How's it going, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of Buddy's House of Horror Podcast. We've got another interview for you guys today, and I'm joined by one of the hardest working filmmakers in the industry today, Matthew Mark Hunter. Again, I'm going to try to keep this intro short and sweet, and it's impossible to even talk about all the projects he's worked on in an intro anyway, because he's worked on hundreds of things just over the past few years. So again, we need to get right to the discussion, but before we go ahead and do that, I want to remind you guys to please subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to the show, whether it be YouTube, Apple podcast spotify wherever you're listening to it make sure you subscribe leave a rating and a review if you're over on youtube make sure you leave a thumbs up share it with a friend and yeah just anything you guys can do to help spread the good word about the house of horror is greatly appreciated again matthew's worked on a ton of projects like the lord's ladies bed bugs all kinds of stuff and we're gonna get into some of that and more coming up in this interview so without further ado we're just gonna get right to it so now let's get spooky So I am very excited to have you on the show today. Um, I guess I kind of want to start out with a project I actually submitted a little bit of voice work for. I'm very excited about that. Um, What can you tell me about Killer Christmas 2? I see that you just posted that the DVDs are in the works. Um, So yeah, why don't you go ahead and tell me about that project? I'm really excited to see it. Yeah, Killer Christmas 2 um, is a direct sequel from Killer Christmas 1. Um, our original plan was to bring back um, all the cast from the first one as undead, um, like demonic killers. That's what the original script was, but I couldn't, none of them wanted to come back or they all exited from my um, messages and stuff, deleted me. So we went a whole new route. Uh, we kept the same somewhat back storyline. We said it three years um, in the future. We had to introduce two new characters into the mix. Well, a lot of new characters. Um, but it's basically a new family moves into a house. Um, it's the Killer Christmas house. It's had a long history. Um, the new family ultimately dies also in the house. Spoilers. Um, but then it's up to um, Christian and Clank to solve the mystery of the Killer Christmas house and why it does this and try to stop it from ever happening again. And with that happening, there's weird things that happen throughout the house. Um, dolls come alive and start killing and talking, uh, which we had a lot of people supply voices for the dolls, which is great. And we just started making our DVDs, and I'm actually going to be exporting it tonight. So I'll have the actual first copy on DVD done tonight, which is very exciting. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Hopefully by the time people hear this, um, the DVD will be out into the world um, and people can go ahead and get that very again I'm very excited to get one myself um what are sort of the plans for like selling the DVD um what I usually do is I'll take it to um like um conventions if I go to them or uh, like the hollow the fourth annual or the fifth annual Halloween garage sale happening July 31st I'll have some copies there um I used to sell them on eBay but because eBay changed the way that you're allowed to sell stuff now. Uh, more uh, bullshit reasons why. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm probably going to do my original way, which was people used to contact me on Facebook. They would send me their address and then PayPal me the money, and I would just send them the movie after. Yeah, so it's very, very do-it-yourself attitude, which is what I like about you and why I'm really excited to have you with me today. Um, I'm, of course, joined by the illustrious Matthew Mark Hunter of MMH Productions. Um, I'm sure you can gather where he got the the name for that one. Um, But very excited to have you on the show. I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better. Um, You are one of the busiest filmmakers working right now, at least by my estimation. I always see you posting all over Facebook a million different projects that you're working on, and obviously we're not going to be able to cover all of them today. Um, But why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself um, to the people out there who are getting to know you for the first time. Like I said, your work ethic is unrivaled. Um, You're working on tons of stuff, and you're a really, like, young guy. Like, it's exciting to see... um, Horror is in good hands with the youth, and I'm very excited about you. Um, so why don't you just go ahead and introduce yourself to the lovely people at home? Thank you. Uh, my name is Matthew Mark Hunter. I am the creator and owner of MMH Productions. 
We've created over 130 films since 2017. Um, I'm, I just turned 21 years old also. Um, I achieved my first um, film award at the age of 17 um, for my first feature film. Um, I'm also a host of a children's show on YouTube. Uh, Matthew and Ophelia's Wonderful World of Fun. And I also have a Talking with Directors interview. And I also am starting a new podcast called Midnight Movie Madness with John. Um, that should be coming out this month also. Uh, and I'm just always nonstop working on something any time of my life. I'm never getting a break. <laughs> I, I, I see a like... Because I feel the same way. Like, I always have to be working on something. Like, I'm not the kind of person that can just, like, sit on TikTok or on my phone for hours and hours at, the t at a time. Do you feel, like, similar? Like, you always have to be creating something? Yeah, I mean, even taking, like, a break every now and then. Like, I'll take, like, even video games. I barely ever stopped playing video games when I started really grinding. I just, I have no time to do a lot of other stuff. I'll work, go back to film um, i'm usually doing stuff till four in the morning working on stuff every night because it's the best time for me like maybe like eight to four in the morning and then i'll do it like all in the morning till like three sometimes um and then it's just going to work but even doing other stuff like i'll take breaks if i'm hanging out with people every now and then but i'm like barely ever playing video games like people do i'm barely it's either watching movies or i'm even when I'm watching like horror films, I'm still on the computer doing my own work. So, so it's nonstop for me. See, I sort of feel the same way. Like whenever I'm watching a film, I'm kind of also in like filmmaker mode. Um, and I'm watching stuff. I'm thinking like, ooh, that was like a really cool shot. Or like, I'm thinking of uh, what's going on like behind the scenes. Like, do you feel that way too? Like whenever you're watching something, you're kind of thinking about like, okay, how can I, um, play off of this or oh I sort of like how they did this I didn't like how they did this or are you are you able to because I have a problem like I'm not able to shut my brain off when I'm watching a film um so how is it like when you're watching something um I know the biggest thing that even if I go to like the theaters with people and they're just watching it I'm taking it from a film's perspective so I'm always like making jokes about stuff like oh they shot it like that and stuff or like if I'm watching a film and I know there's something wrong with it I'm thinking, oh, that's that was a little uh, like blooper type thing, because I'm able to. I know there's one film, and for like a quick second, you see like the boom mic fall for a quick minute, right? And <laughs> I was like, check that out, mom. Look, and then um. But yeah, even watching, it's like, I'm doing all the stuff in my head also of like how they filmed it, and if I could do some of the horror stuff they're showing, showing. I mostly watch um, older stuff, 70s and 90s, mainly the 80s horror, because there's always something new I'm finding for 80s, because I like that more than the horror that comes out now, especially mainstream. I'm more indie because mainstream stuff, it seems like a lot of the good stuff is disappearing. Like We don't see like R-rated films in the theaters no more. I don't see slashers and gore and blood. A lot of the stuff is PG-13 in the theaters, and I'm like a all for the gore, all for like the creature suits and monsters and uh, actual makeup instead of doing special effects and post. I'm a more practical effects kind of guy in my film sets. Um, so I like looking at the older stuff and seeing how I can copy them also. Right. And I sort of feel like with modern films, like they're striving to sort of get that PG-13 rating because I mean, like the main movie going audience is like, you want like the high school kids to like be able to go and see the horror film. And like, I get that. And then like with comedies, I feel like it's opposite. Like I feel like in the eighties, all the comedies were like PG 13 or whatever. And all the horror stuff was R. And now I think it's like reversed. Cause like now all the comedies are like, how raunchy can we get? And like stuff like that. So it's sort of weird to see sort of the flip of the coin with that. Yeah, I know. And then another thing is a lot of the stuff that's mainstream also is either for the most part, it seems like it's either a reboot, a remake, or just a second version of the first one. So it's yeah. like they are getting downhill. That's why I like a lot more indie style horror because it's always more creative stuff than just the same old, same old. Yeah, I I, I definitely agree with that. Um, 
And yeah, and we'll talk about some of your favorite films and stuff a little bit later on in the show. Um, and as obviously this is Buddy's House of Horror, so um, I want to talk a lot about your horror films. Um, but you did mention that you were the host of a kids show and you are proudly called a kids show host by day and a horror filmmaker by night. Um, but yeah, I want to hear about your kids show a little bit, man. Um, my audience is a little bit older. Some of us have children. Um, so why don't you go ahead and there's, I've noticed like, at least with some of the images I've seen of some of your children's work, there is a little bit of a spooky influence coming in here and there with some stuff. Um, so why don't you go ahead and just tell me a little bit about, um, the kids programming you're working on. Um, the one, Matthew and Ophelia is wonderful, they fun. Um, that one, when we first started it and we got like, um, like three episodes in, I wanted to do like an Indiegogo for it. And that's when I mainly got called out by moms or I, I call them Karens at the time because they really just saw my IMDb page and they see like a hundred horror films and then this one kid show and they're uh, saying all this like stuff about it and like he's going to influence our children to only care about horror. This is going to be a horror switch. And then for the main show, none of it involved horror at all. I didn't bring any of the characters in from well, all the people who voice the puppets have been in my horror films also. But it's a thing where it's like I can do more than one thing. Like there's so many people out there that can do two types of genres. And my two types are horror and then family friendly. Um, but it's mostly just talking about reading, engaging and learning. Um, me and my um, assistant, Ophelia the Owl, who is voiced by Karen O'Brien, uh, we'll read a book. Then we have arts and crafts for a segment. Um, we'll do like a letter of the day with the letter people um and a lot we've taken a lot we're bringing it back out um i think next week we're starting it back up because i've been busy with all the horror stuff but like i know the next ones are going to be talking about divorce uh, death of a family member um then some easier stuff like it's uh, saying please and thank you and um i know we want to do stuff for the pride month so we're gonna we have books like my two moms and me my two dads and me um so it's just a overall teaching everything we can with a little bit of fun inside i know like for a halloween special we did a reading we made uh we carved a pumpkin made cookies did a little dance and we do science experiments on the show now too so it's just a wide range of stuff and then i know for the more came out this year was edgar and vespera spooky story time which is a more pg rating and that's um a raven and a bat and they have more spooky show puppets on their show. We have a possum, a rat, and a tarantula. And they do more scary readings for kids. And they'll talk about the authors. And then they'll do um, a horror fact of the day, which isn't too scary. Because we're keeping it more PG rating. But we did just bring that out for a taste of spooky kids vibe. Um, like the uh, puppet comes out of a coffin. So we're going to tell some of the crypt vibe. I don't know, a lot of people used to watch when they were kids. Um, like I used to watch as a kid growing up and stuff. So it's more kids family spooky type stuff more than the regular show, which is G-rated, all family friendly. Right, and I have a message for the Karens out there um, that are on your tail about this kind of stuff. But there's always been scary stuff in kids programming. And I feel like, because I mean, you can even go back to the first full-length animated film of all time which is snow white and i mean they have the spooky forest and that um i mean you've got dumbo's acid trip where all the the elephants are coming at you and stuff so i mean like how do you sort of feel um because i mean obviously you were probably into horror at a young age um do you think it's important to sort of introduce some of these spooky things at like a young age like obviously like you can't have like gore or anything like too intense but like at least i feel like a little bit of spooky stuff is a good thing at least in my opinion um i do agree i know i was the way i was um raised on the horror is i started around three or four watching slasher films with my parents uh freddy cougar and jason i know the first one I can really remember is Freddy vs. Jason. And I used to go to school, I think first or kindergarten or first grade. And I would know how everyone died and in which order. <laughs> um, but even when I was watching it back then, before the film started, 
what they showed me was the behind the scenes and bonus features. And they showed me, here's Freddy Krueger getting his makeup on. It's a real guy. He's not actually a murderer in the film. It's all make-believe and pretend, which is how I was raised. As I knew everything was fake from the get-go with the horror films because they introduced me to the behind-the-scenes first, which is a really smart thing, I think, is, hey, kids, watch the person get the makeup on them, and then the film is, that's the person. But even as a young age, it's good to start your kids off with some, for the most part, parents, some spookier type stuff because you don't want your kids to be too scared of everything when they get older like it's good to have a little bit of something because i think even now it's worse the way social media is and the way the world is with um all the stuff that's changing how people think media is um with um cancel culture is a one thing um just in general there's a lot of stuff that happens in cartoons back in the day that wouldn't be allowed to happen now because of the reason and it's a big, I don't know why, it's changing so much that people are saying no to the older stuff. When, if you take like music, for example, music is, I think, way worse now for some of the stuff than it was back then. But it's just, I would introduce, for me personally, as my kids, when I have kids, the same as me. When they're three and four, I'm going to show them like uh, Killer Clans, Myers Space, Freddy vs. Jason, all the horror stuff, and even my films. And then... With me in general, because I make the films, I can even show them how they do it for my level, um, which I think is what people should do is show them the behind the scenes first and then the horror films when they want to introduce them into it. I think that that's really interesting that you say that. I had never really thought of doing that. And maybe in my own childhood, because I was a bit of a scaredy cat at the time. You started way earlier than I did, like three or four. But I'd say like, for me, like, you know, like junior high or like sixth grade or whatever, I started watching some horror films like Halloween and stuff. Um, but that's really interesting to um, show the behind the scenes um, just to show like how it, um, comes together and that it's not reality I think that's really interesting that you had that in your childhood um, would you say that that um, sort of influenced why you wanted to become a filmmaker just watching all that behind the scenes at a young age um, it was somewhat the reason I just always grew up like watching like the horror and slasher the thing that really got me into filmmaking was in seventh grade my English teacher wanted us to write a script for our project, like a couple pages for um, writing assignment. And she said, you can get extra credit if you actually filmed it. And then I took my mom's um, VHS camcorder and I recorded my own Puppet Master fan film um, in seventh grade. And when I took it in the class to watch, everyone thought I made like the puppets, like I made Blade and Jester and Tunnler, And I'm like, that's a horror film. Um, so that was my first introduction to making films was I made a fan film, Puppet Master film, and I had all my cousins in it. And I killed them all off in the movie. Um, and that probably is what triggered it is when the teacher said, make a film. And then after that, I just wanted to do it for my career. So were you shooting on full VHS or were they like the mini like DV tapes? Or was it the full uh, like big for rig? The, for the Puppet Master fan film, it was... Um, the little things and then you would put into a bigger one into the vcr then you would edit on the vcr after to get it how you wanted it um so that's how i did it well my mom did the editing at that age i just filmed it but it's you can see like the lens caps dangling some parts um it cuts weird but it was also the first film so i didn't really know fully what was going on um but it's always fun like i know we did a film recently i submitted it to a film festival was actually a part of um, the Cleveland Fun Mill Festival. And I shot the whole thing on the VCR camera, the mini one. Then I took it and I actually edited the, half the film on the VCR. And then I took it in a premiere to edit the rest of it, um, which was a real hassle to get done in a certain time period for it, even editing the VCR. Um, but luckily, uh, we won Best Special Effects only for it. Um, but it was just a fun thing to do. And personally, it stood out from the rest of the films because it's the only one that had that old, it was a box vibe and not the widescreen style because the way it shoots it. Um, and I know a lot of people thought it was um, an effect I put in after than just me actually shooting on it. 
even though at the end of the credits it says it was shot on this camera and recorded on, I mean, and edited on the VCR. Um, so it's just something I like going back to with the motto, Bloody Horror with an 80s twist. Right. Um, so how, because I used to make tons of films on VHS. Um, but the way I sort of did it was everything had to be like live. Like if you messed up something, you just rewind the tape and do it over again. And sometimes the, the cuts were a little weird because of that. I never did any real editing on a VCR. Um, but I've seen it done on the internet a few times. Like, do you do the whole thing where you have to tie two VCRs together? Or like, how are you editing these um, these VHS? <laughs> yeah, it's um, on the bottom, there's a VCR. And on the top, it's a VCR to DVD converter. So you put the VCR in the one that you're actually going to edit on. And then the one I have, all I can do is go forward, rewind, stop and record. So doing it, I had a rewind, but we shot everything without breaks. Like how you said you had to re go back and rewind it. We did it where we shot multiple takes on it. So then I had to go throughout the whole two hour VCR mode without separate clips and find the actual spot I wanted and the, um, find the actual clip I needed with four different takes, so I'd keep going back and forth. So I would fast forward to the part I want, um, push record, play it, stop it, and then have to rewind it to a different chart if I needed to go back or forward again. It was just nonstop left and right doing that. And then on Premiere, I was able to touch it up a tiny bit, but I kept that actual feel for it. Sounds like the Cinemassacre method. Are, are you familiar with Cinemassacre at all? Uh, yeah, I am actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I remember yeah, watching. Like yeah, because I remember I watched like a documentary they did like 10 years ago or whatever, and they were talking about editing on the on the VCR. So I always thought it was very interesting because like as a kid, like I didn't even know really what editing was. So I was like, oh, we messed up. We got to rewind. <laughs> so that was very fun. Um, and yeah, you said you did your first films in like seventh grade doing stuff like that. Um, but before, like, did you like as a child did you like want to be a filmmaker before that or when you got the opportunity to make a film did you kind of just go gung-ho I think it really clicked when we had to make the film when she told me about that project that's what really clicked it into me because before it was like normal childhood stuff like yeah, I want to be a veterinarian or stuff like that but the thing that really clicked was the seventh grade project it really opened my eyes to wanting to do this for a living and then in high school, there was an opportunity to go to Cuyahoga Valley Career Center for my school. And they have a whole class on filmmaking for two years, my junior and high school, my junior and senior year. So I did that my last two years of high school while going to real school. And then that really got me, it told me all the knowledge I needed to know for film. If I would have known how CSU was, I wouldn't have went to college for film because I haven't learned anything within my three years so far that I haven't already learned at my two-year original school because that two-year school they taught you everything I knew I got certified I'm a certified associate in Premiere Pro now for editing they had it for Photoshop um, they had animation you get certified in for Toon Boom Harmony so I learned animation film um, everything about the music and studio part of it I learned green screen everything you need to know I learned within the two years which is barely anything I learned in the three years so far at college. Yeah, I, I sort of feel, um, because when I was at school, um, I went to school at Kent State University in their like film journalism program. I sort of feel like with a lot of the classes, at least from my experience, and I mean, you can attest to this in your college years, not so much the, the high school ones, but a lot of the classes are very general and it sort of just lays down the groundwork of, this is how to make a film. And it's just like, all right, here's the three point lighting. Here's this, this, and that. Um, but to really get the experience and to get the full extent out of it, you kind of got to do your own projects on the side or like join a club and stuff like that. So that's sort of how I felt about college. Yeah. Um, for the CSU, the first year was mostly watching movies every week, every day, every other two days, let's watch a movie, analyze it. And that was going on for a whole semester. And I paid all this money to make films, not watch them. Because the way I think, you can't just watch films to know how to make films. The only way to do it is hands-on experience. Because the school at Cuyahoga Valley Career Center I went to, your senior year, you were able to rent out equipment 
any weekend you wanted to go do whatever you want outside of school. And for that school, we actually made films every week, almost while we were there, every other week. At CSU, I didn't get to even make anything remotely to a film until my second year um, or second semester, but it was still during that semester, watch a film, analyze it, which you can't do that for so long, have all these people pay this much money for a college, have a professor teach a class about watching films and analyzing it when it does, are we allowed to swear? I, 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 you, can, you can do whatever you want because it's like it's just, <laughs> just i'm not it's just bullshit i mean i tell everyone that's like if i knew that csu was going to make us watch films and then analyze them for a whole semester i would have said fuck it did something else and then do filming on the side but because i've done it for so long and i'm almost done anyway it's just something for me to get it and then work because my original my goal now is to do my own filming on the side and then work at like a tv studio just to get uh something else and then do my own films because i don't want to work on like big budget hollywood style films either that's what the school's also teaching you when you get later on is i'm more indie style and low budget and they're like all hollywood style stuff and i don't give a rat's ass about the hollywood films really i have no interest working on the hollywood film um and it's just i just wish it was more hands-on stuff because i know there's a george a romero film school in pa which i was looking at beforehand but i should look more into it because they even said they make a film every week which is all horror based which would have been right up my alley but it's just things happen differently butterfly effect things just happened right listening to your story a little bit there um and i have a couple couple comments to to say about that it's very very interesting to me um when i was in high school we didn't have any sort of like filmmaking stuff at all i mean i'm from a small town and everything but like even like a couple years after I had graduated, they actually had implemented a film program at my high school um, where juniors and seniors can go learn Photoshop, Premiere, all that kind of stuff. And since then, I graduated college, so I actually got to do a few lectures in the class, which was very interesting. Um, so I do think it, the more our generation um, gets out into the world, I think that things are going to start improving from like a schooling standpoint. I think it's going to be less the film studies and more the hands-on practical because i mean the more people our age start teaching these classes and seeing how it is like in our area i think it's going to start improving um how do you feel about that i think so too i know a lot of people because i was going to switch my major to teaching i know a lot of people come up to me saying you should just teach film or i know some parents because i have a lot of younger cast members on my films we've had like four-year-olds five-year-olds stuff like that and then when I hear how the parents say other filmmakers film with the young kids, a couple parents actually asked me to teach a course for filmmakers older in my age on how to do with kids on set because they said my experience with kids is I, I'm more loose and base and I, I have that kid feel because I do the kids show also because I know how it is. And I just, that's a separate story. But even for the hands-on stuff, I mean, even during like uh, when COVID hit and the schools closed down, a lot of people didn't make art when there were so many possibilities to do it at home. All you need is your phone to make a film. And if you can't make a film by yourself or get creative like that and think of stuff outside of like school, then don't be a filmmaker if you can't think of something to do outside of not being in a film school. You have the stuff at home. You have a phone. You can get a free editing app if you want to. edit, Make something at home by yourself. I know I did a few of those during um, COVID and I had people from different places give me voiceovers. So I would play like two parts, but it would be someone else's voice. Or then I didn't really stop during COVID and we made, I made 30 films from March to December in 2020. And not a single person got COVID on any of my sets, which is the thing I like to say a lot. But even during that, we were, I was able to pump out films because I just had that drive to keep doing it. I didn't want to stop. I don't want anything to stop me from making films. Um, but if I had the chance to be a teacher, I would most definitely be hands-on all the time. Like the first day of class, I'd show them the camera and how to work it. Yeah, and I, I, and you brought this up as well, which is interesting. The way I start all of my lectures, um, whenever my school invites me back, even when it's the junior high kids or high school or wherever they have me go and like speak, um, I always open with, it's a lot easier to be a filmmaker today than it was when I was a kid, because nowadays everyone has a camera in their pocket. So I find it very interesting that you also brought up the same point. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, it's something I always bring up, too. It's like, don't say you can't make a movie if you have a... Because my phone, I have a track phone, so it's not even the best quality. People have, like, those iPhone 11s and crap, and it's, like, four cameras on the front, 8K and all this crap. Your camera's better than... Your phone is probably better than my actual Canon camera for some of the stuff you can do. Yeah. Um, and then one last thing I want to say about your backstory, because I find it very interesting, some of the comments you were making. Have you ever heard of the filmmaker Mark Borchardt? No. I know a lot of my stuff influenced back then came from Ed Wood because I do a lot of guerrilla style stuff where I'll just film my location without them knowing and leave right away. Um, but I never heard of the Mark guy. So I, I think he's someone that you should look into. Um, he directed the film. I actually have it right here. One of the original VHS that he did. Um, it's called Coven. Um, but there was a documentary about him in the 90s called American Movie, where basically um, it's him and all the struggles that you do as like a DIY filmmaker. And he's talking to how he doesn't want to do the big budget Hollywood thing. He's more indie. Um, so I see a lot of parallels um, with you and him. So he would be an interesting guy to check out if you're interested. Um, I just thought it was very interesting um, that you brought up some of that stuff. Um, and yeah, we talked about the first horror films that you were making in school um, in the first horror films you saw in your youth, and you have a very extensive IMDb. Um, as you said, I mean, you made 30 films just during COVID. Um, like, if you go on your IMDb, like, you see actor, 100 titles, director, 150 titles, just, like, all this, like, crazy stuff. Like, how do you come up with all of these ideas? For the most part, um, it was... Like I'll like when I did like um the croutons film, I I saw a bag of croutons and I said, well let me have the croutons kill me. So then I wrote a simple. I didn't even write a script for it. It was no script. I just gave a page to people to do voices, and I made everything up as I went along, which I do for a lot of my stuff on IMDb. Is none of them had a lot of scripts. It was all based right away, but that was like back in 2017 with my friends and stuff. And it's like we met every weekend. Um, we shot a film. And that was it. Just came right on the spot for some reason. Sometimes I know one weekend we did three films in one day, and that was the third one actually never got finished because we got um, almost the cops called on us and kicked out of someone's yard for it because we were in the wrong property and we had like the satanic cult thing going on. We had body parts everywhere, um, and so that was another gorilla um, grab the shit and run stuff type of deal. Um, but it was just I know a lot of it's just fun, but I'll take like. I can make any object probably come to life. I did an elliptical killing me. I have eggs talking in my film. Croutons killed me. Washing machine killed me. Um, so that's a lot of some of my stuff is things coming to life. I don't know how people voice over it and then I'll die from it. But even for like my bigger stuff, I'll just like sit there and I, sometimes it just pops in my head. Or even when I'm writing something, something else will come up in my head that I want to make. Um, some stuff is somewhat influenced my films like watching every now and then but for the most part i'll just be sitting there and when i have an idea in my head that just pops up i'll just start writing it or i'll just take notes on a google doc and then i'll come back to it another day so it's just it's just something that always clicks inside my head some days yeah and obviously we are we're not going to be able to cover every single project you've worked on in one podcast it would take take a hundred um but I did write down a few titles um, of yours that I found very interesting that I'd like to get a little bit more information about. I guess we'll start with sort of the everyday life objects, because um, I had a few written down since you brought it up. Um, you've got films like Trampoline Terror, um, Hot's Tub Party, and then you mentioned Terror on the Elliptical. Um, I guess, what is it? Because like you said, you just have these ideas. And it, like I guess in my mind, it's sort of like, the everyday objects coming to life like that could happen i mean it wouldn't happen to everyone but like you know what i'm saying like it's like it's more reality based like it's not like all right we're gonna have like a demon come here and like we're doing like all this crazy stuff it's like no the film is literally called trampoline terror like how many like crazy things can happen like when you're just jumping on a trampoline that you don't think about yeah i i can go real quick on two of them really is for we did trampoline tear right after hot stuff party on the same night i think i think but 
trampoline terror is I was sitting on the trampoline and I had my other friend across from me and another one next to me. And I was like, all right, we're going to do this in one shot take. All I want you to do is crawl towards me and choke me on trampoline and kill me. And that was the film. He just walks over, chokes me on the trampoline. I'm struggling. And then it cuts from there and you hear people laughing in the background actually in the film. And I just said, whatever. We just did it on the phone and I uploaded it with some intro credits. And then Hot Stuff Party, my friend at the time had this big pool in their backyard and a hot tub. And I was like, I just want to make a movie in your pool in a hot tub to see what I can come up with. So then I'm thinking, let me just put snakes in your hot tub and they're watching us swim in the pool. And then when we all get in the hot tub, a snake comes out from the hot tub and attacks the one guy. It was supposed to be a longer film. And sadly, we never did it because the cast was like, bored already but i wanted everyone to die in the film from snakes but we only got one shot done so we got everyone in the pool hanging out then we jumped to the hot tub and that's when the snake comes out of the hot tub um i think it was a, a cobra's watching them or something and then for the part she has a slide in her pool and i just dropped a fake snake and it went down the uh the pool slide into the pool um so that was more just random stuff also coming up with it I had at home I just grabbed some snakes one day and came over um and then that was with a recorder too a little one none of my big quality stuff and that was when I had no audio and no lighting so it was just the camera and then Charlie elliptical we did for lockdown seven series two and that was uh, my mom got an elliptical and I'm like well mom you know I'm gonna kill myself on that elliptical and have it kill me and talk so like yeah just don't bloody it up <laughs> so I made sure not to get <laughs> blood on it yet um and then I just whacked myself off on that and added some I, I asked people online if you want to be a voiceover in a film let me know and I'll write you a scene and I do that for a lot of my stuff so I wrote in all these extra scenes of me like taking drugs talking to objects and stuff and then it just ended up with me dying in elliptical but it was just a fun way for me to get more people in the movie scene that want to be in movies because a lot of the people in my films it's their first time in a film I bring on people who want to be in films that don't even have like a headshot and I'll just make them act in a film. Or kids who don't give chances. Uh, a lot of kids start out with me as their first film. And I bring them back for stuff so they have more of a resume built up. So I'm like I'm one of those people who like helping people get out there more than you know, trying to be greedy about it. So a lot of people will say, I want to be in a film. I've never been in one. We'll just come to my set and I'll put you in a film or I'll write you a scene in the film, which is what I do. Yeah, that's really cool. And of course, it builds up like, you know, you have a good reputation in the community and all that kind of stuff. So it's really good that like you're very inviting on your sets and you're helping people out. Um, and I would imagine, I mean, you said yourself, you get a lot of the same people coming in for some of the films and then the word spreads. And then you, as you said, you get people as their first film and then you have the repeat people. Um, that's really all cool stuff. And then, yeah, the hot tub idea. I mean, that sounds very, because like when you look at it, like as a film, and it's like, all right, you're in a hot tub and snakes are trying to kill you or whatever. Like, yeah, it sounds like a campy idea. But when you really think about it, it's like a snake could really get in your hot tub. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, and it fits perfectly with the title because it made it hot with the snake sound hot tub party. So it's just, it just fit in the title, too. Yeah. Um, you have some other films um, that are very interesting to me. Um, I noticed a little bit of a theme, just like the theme with the everyday objects coming to life. Um, but you have a lot of like Christmas horror films as well. Um, you've got like Holy Night. You've got a whole series of Krampus films, um, Killer Christmases, um, like we talked about at the open of the show. Um, what can you tell me about sort of your Christmas horror films and like was that like planned out? Like, do you like the idea of a Christmas horror? Did it just kind of work out that way? Or is that something you just were like, all right, it's December, the Christmas tree is already up. We got to use this. <laughs> um, it's one of my favorite subgenres of horror. One of the few I really like are holiday horror styles. And a lot of the Christmas ones, like some of them we shot not during the Christmas season. So like, well, I'll have my whole, I'll have uh, the house we had at the time the studio house and we decorated with Christmas lights and a Christmas tree in like June or like August. Um, or we did a film in October and right after I set a tree up to get some Christmas films going, but it's one of my favorite subgenres. And like Holy night was one where it's like, I just put, um, 
a song in the background and I played four characters. You can't tell either, I think. And then it's just stuff happens. Um, the Krampus things I've always been a fan of. Every year I do a Krampus film. So this year we're, um, I'm writing the script for Krampus 5, the Snow Beast already. So that's one of the things I think that would be cool to be known for. And like Cleveland is Matthew Mark Connors, the Krampus guy. Because every <laughs> year I do a Krampus film. And I have to bring on different actors because I don't want it linking up with other people. So I'm always advertising it like I need new actors. I can't have repeat actors for the Krampus series. But even that, Krampus changes his look every film also. The first one, we had no budget, no makeup artist, really. So it's like we have just brown makeup on my face, and we had tinfoil horns and a tail. And the second one, we started getting makeup artists on, and that one's like more Santa Claus style, and I have crazy hair and horns. The third one, I'm more of a demon, and I have a full um, prosthetic makeup face with cotton balls and latex all over my face. I couldn't see off the camera well, but I still had to shoot the film. Um, and that one was Hell Awakens. Um, and then the fourth one was the origin stories. We had a little Krampus doll I found on eBay, and then we just replicated the makeup and I bought a costume similar to it, so it it turned into the actual Krampus. And then like the fifth one, we're gonna have Krampus be an actual snow beast. I'm working. I have a full winter suit. I'm actually making my own mask this time. Um, a white snow. Um. Yeti Krampus style mask. So that's gonna be fun to do. But just Christmas in general, I just like it as a subgenre for horror. Um, so you you know you've mentioned this many times on the show, but like obviously you are in the kids show. Um, you just mentioned you play Krampus in the films. Um, you've acted in a lot of your stuff. Do you is that out of necessity? Um, just to not find someone, or like do you enjoy the acting side of things as well? Uh it's kind of a career center junior and high school year. My films never got picked to be made for the school, really. I was always picked to be an actor because I was. they thought I was one of the, a, good, a good actor to have on set, one of the few best ones on the, in the school. So I was acting in most of the stuff instead of actually filming my own stuff. So when I got to doing my own company, for the most part, sometimes it's like some of the films we actually had people picked. And if they drop out last minute, I'm going to fill in their spot. I'll try to figure out the script as much as I can, but I'll be looking at it every now and then, even though I wrote it. But if someone doesn't come or they back out last minute, I'll fill in their spot. But like for Krampus and some of the other films I've been in, I like being the actual person in the creature suit and monster build. I really enjoy being either the killer or the monster. So a lot of the stuff, I'm in the full bodysuit, makeup, monster, killer, um, and that's really what I like doing the most. But I will every now and then get acting myself, like in Daniel the Killer Crab Elf. That was the one I did recently as a bigger role of me actually as a purse talking. Um, so like as Krampus, I just like being big body suits. And I've had so much makeup on me, latex all over my face. I know that one time I pulled off my latex and I actually didn't do it the right way. And I ripped out some of my hair down the middle, which is still missing. Um, so I've lost hair pulling off makeup stuff. Um, but I just like being a creature and monster in the films. And that's my favorite thing is being someone to wear this creature suit thing. I'll do it. I don't care about getting bloody if you want me to kill someone. I mean, I've had, I poured blood all over me before. Buckets of blood. I get splatter attacked all the time in some of my films. And then like some films, I like the role so much. I'll make me the lead in it. Like when we did post stories, Berenice. I wanted to be the person, the creepy guy to pull out her teeth and like rub on her because I like playing a creepy guy also. I play it pretty well, I think, that I've been told because I can actually be creepy on set. But like even a kid's show, that was just something I really wanted to do because I've always been inspired to do a kid's show like Mr. Rogers or Sesame Street um, and things like that. So I wanted to be the host of that with an owl and just because I'm so good with kids in person, on set too i just have a good i can be my age and i can jump to a like a seven-year-old like i'll watch horror films or i'll watch cartoons while i write my horror films i mean it's just switches on for me yeah and i i think and going back to the kids show a little bit i think that it's very important to sort of address some of the issues that you talk about on the show 
um like as you said you talk about divorce um in and in pride month you're talking about like more modern things that a lot of kids shows at the time aren't doing today um so i just really really appreciate that from you because i think it's important um to talk about those sort of things um i and you brought this up as well um and these are some other titles that i had written down um you've got some poe adaptations out there um you mentioned the the poe film but then you also have um, if you scroll down on your IMDb a little bit further, you see like the black cat, the raven, stuff like that. Um, were you always a were you always a big fan of Poe, and what was it like sort of adapting some of those works? Um, I got really inspired in Poe in sixth grade English class. We read um, we read the Telltale Heart, the Raven, and the Cassio Montiago, and I have the book where it's all his work of art. But Poe's really, I really enjoy uh, Edgar Allan Poe and R.L. Stein, probably my top two authors. But for Poe stories, it was, I wanted to do the scenes. So Black Cat, The Raven, and Telltale Heart are all the same, except I changed the ending of all three of them for my own style of ending. So in The Raven, he actually turns into a raven at the end of the film. Um, Black Cat, it's switched where the guy shoots himself in the before the cops get him. So it's actually he shoots himself. Telltale Heart is he he gets caught, but the way we did it is we had uh, what is it? It's just some of the endings you can see are a bit different than the book. And then Berenice actually, I actually added stuff in between it, then changing the ending a bit. Um so like when she's having like a seizure, we like put blood drops in her eyes, so her eyes are bleeding. Um, and I added a more um, just love base to it than the original story. And then all four of them would put into post stories and we have four people reading the stories, which is the four we did. And then at the end of that actual post stories film, every story they read is what happened to them. So the person who read the Raven turned into the Raven who read Telltale Heart, he turned into an old man and then died. The black cat, the guy turned into an actual black cat in the film. And then Berenice, the girl, lost all her teeth. But then another fun thing we did was everyone who was the lead actor or actress in their story were the ones that read the book in Poe's stories. So the guy who's reading, um, Ber the girl who's reading Berenice is actually the girl in Berenice. The guy who read the black cat is actually the main guy in the black cat. So it was a fun thing to actually put them in the story that the ones that they're reading. That's very, that's definitely one that's going to be on my watch list. That sounds very, very fun. Um, some other ones that I wrote down, um, just because they have cool titles and I liked the artwork on some of these. Um, you met, you mentioned this one before as well. So we'll start with this one. Um, Danny Hall and the Killer Crab Elf. I know this one's a little bit more of a recent one. Um, what can you tell me about that one? Um, that one's really fun to do. Um, that just came up to me one day. I was sitting in the chair. I put on elf shoes and I was holding a beer in my hand and I took a picture and I was like, this would be a cool idea for a film, a crab elf guy. So I wrote a script for it. Um, the beginning scene is somewhat based on the Toxic Avenger by Troma. Um, so it's me. One of the scenes is I'm going to see these green barrels and I dare him to stick his hand in. He's like, no, you do it. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. So I stick my hand in the barrel, and then I turn and I have the crab hand. And then the bucket falls, and it gets out, like, on my feet and stuff. So then the next morning, I wake up, and I can't swear anymore in the film. So instead of me saying, like, um, shit and stuff like that, I can only say Christmas words. So I'm like, son of a snow globe or you stupid candy cane, which is the, the elf part of me, my character also. But that was one of the films where I put on Facebook saying, hey, if you want to be in a film in person, let me know and I'll actually write you in the script. So there's a scene where I'm just walking down the street, going to different houses. And each house I go to is someone I'm going to kill in some Christmas type of way or just way in general. So there's a way for me to get more people on my film. And it was just me, them, the camera, and sometimes a makeup artist. And then we just kill them right there and then like two hour shoots. All right, you're in the film. Um, but that's one of the ones that just fun to do. I mean, even at the end, I turn into a giant crab. 
an antagonist, Carl Russell Lexington, turns into his giant octopus man, and we're fighting. Um, so that's just another fun one to do. That I was like, I want some cool kills in this. Like, my favorite kill in that is we take one of those plastic candy canes. I shove it up the guy's ass, and it comes out of his mouth, and the blood squirts out, <laughs> which was a good uh, B-rated trauma-style kill also. I know a lot of people like a scene where... Because I'm part crab, a woman's cooking crab legs, and I don't know it yet. She's serving me dinner, and when she puts the crab legs on my plate, I'm, I start having, like, flipping out. So I'll throw, I throw the pot of hot water on her face. I drag her to the stove, and I slam her head on the stove and, and light her on fire, which that was a fun kill to do also. And then, like, even last minute, I went to my uncle's for a weekend in Columbus, and I was like, you guys want to be in a film? So this part wasn't even in the script, unwritten. But I take a banana and I shove it in my cousin's back of his head and it comes out of his mouth, a banana. <laughs> and then I take um, a hedge clipper and I'm like chopping off his body parts. And it looks so bad because you can even see his legs under the fake legs in the movie. And I just left it in there because I said, screw it. I'm going to leave it in there to do a comedy horror. Um, and it, luckily it was nominated for a comedy award also. And horror awards. I know it won Best Kill and uh gore and stuff and then was nominated for best humor um but it's just another one to do that came up with one day and i just wrote a longer script for it yeah and yeah that that one also sounds really really fun and interesting i look forward to checking that one out as well um like as i said you've got tons of films that i've written down we're not gonna have time to cover all of them um but like films like blood throne um you've got one about like a wolf child wolf bait wolf dollar wolf baby that's the one wolf baby um and you've got like some recent stuff like the lord's ladies has some really um that one like when i saw some of the behind the scenes images from that, that the, one that was the fun mill one yeah yeah uh so that one looks like fun as well um it was very similar because i in my horror film we have sort of like the cult robes and stuff like that too so i was like oh that reminds me of my film so that one looks really interesting and I really love your artwork. Um, I mean, you've used this image of you a few times, but I really love the cover of Bedbugs. Um, and that's a, that one looks really fun as well. Yeah, we, for the most part, most of the posters are created by me. Um, I designed most of the posters. I didn't do the poster for Bedbugs. I wrote an example and I gave it to someone to make. I didn't do the poster for Post Stories. And then I had my girlfriend do the poster. She does digital design and stuff. She did the poster for Deadly Numbers, The Lord's Ladies, and I think another. And she does some of the kids show stuff. But most of the posters I create on my own on Photoshop. Like Krampus 3, I did that one. That was probably the hardest one for me to do. Um, but I, I like doing a lot of poster work, too, for the most part. Yeah, and like a lot of people say, like, don't judge a book by its cover, like, blah, blah, blah. But I think that, like, if you can really sell a horror film with the poster or the box art, it really does a lot. Cause I mean, it goes back to the old like video store days. Like you're walking through blockbuster family video, like whatever it happened to may be. And like, you're judging like, all right, do I want to watch this film? Like based on the artwork. Yeah. And, I, and a lot of artwork too. The artwork on the thing is barely even in the film. It's just eye catching. Like for me personally, if I go somewhere, I never grew up in the video store era, which really sucked because I would have loved it. I hear so much stuff about it because I love VHS tapes. I have a collection and stuff. So I collect VC VCRs and VHS horror tapes. But even now, I'll look at the tape and thinking, man, that guy, monster is really sweet on that cover. And I'll get it just for that reason, <laughs> just to see that one monster in the film. But yeah, the cover work's always been something that gets people's eyes and is eye-catching. I know like deadly numbers we want to do a second one of that also already and that one's like i had 20 filmmakers from around the world submit a film so like some are from ireland and stuff submitting horror films and stuff but that's a different topic but even, like, box art in general it's like you got to have something cool sometimes for people to watch it and even on the back side of the dvd people will read the synopsis and uh base their opinion on that also yeah, and I mean, you brought this up, but this is another thing about you that I really admire. You're sort of like a curator of all these different things. Like you're getting submissions from people to imply into the films and make like a compilation sort of thing. One of the big projects that you're working on now um, is called Gross. 
Um, what can you tell me about that project? Um, gross is another like anthology style film. Um, each film has something gross related to it. We have five films already shot we did last year. And if we reached our budget goal, we're going to do a sixth one, which we made the actual Kickstarter goal within a less than a day. So we're going to actually do it. But we have um, Leftovers, uh, Need to Know, Audrey the B-Girl, um, oh, Crappy Cracker, and um, what was the last? Oh, Infection. And then each one has an element of gross to it. So like Sometimes it's like a truth or dare and they're doing nasty stuff, eating food. Um, some stuff has to do with bugs because I know we're going to be doing roach now for the sixth one. And I got to get a hotel for that. Um, but we also have it where I made it and like a, a horror host style stuff. So my friend Dean Houlihan in Ireland is going to be recording all his stuff from there. Send me all the footage back. And it's going to be the person that actually talks in between each story. So that's going to be cool to do. And then I have people, if they want to send me something really nasty they did, gross, 10, 30 seconds, like someone picking their nose or cleaning their earwax out, um, eating nasty stuff, like 10 to 30 seconds, I'll put it in the film and it'll automatically be seen no matter what. I'll fill it in if I have to. Um, but that's just another way for me to get people um, but it's just a way, like some stuff isn't full horror, it's mostly nasty. And like our theme is make sure to bring the barf bag when you watch the film. Because a lot of stuff is really grotesque and nasty for the themes. But it is a fun one, it's on Kickstarter right now for another 26 days, I think, or something like that. And I did see that you ju literally just posted it and you've already reached your goal. So congratulations on that. Um, and I look forward to... Some of the little stretch goals of people want to keep giving money to it. Um, it's going to be very exciting. Um, sort of as we start to wind down here a little bit, um, you mentioned at the at the top of the show, you're starting some other projects, like some film-related, like, podcast-type scenarios. Um, so what can you tell me about those? Because um, I'm looking forward to those getting started up. Um, I do uh, Let's Talk Films. I started it with asking the filmmakers who gave me their films for Deadly Numbers, School of Monsters. I asked any of them who want to talk about their film. We'll talk about it on YouTube in an interview style, which we did with some people. Um, the podcast Midnight Movie Madness is going to be with me and John Kathleen. Um, and for the first episode, we're talking, we're going to watch four films. And then the podcast is just talking about the four horror films. And we have a lineup already of like 15 people who are interested. So it's going to go in order by how they're interested. And each person before they come on has to watch three horror films. And then we're going to discuss it on um, the podcast. So the first one me and John are doing is some anthology horrors. We're going to be talking about The Willies, um, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, Chillers, and Nightmares. But then after that, it's random based, three random films. And we're going to bring people on and we're just going to talk about them. Because I know when I did John's interview for The Deadly Numbers when he submitted his film, we went on a tangent for like an hour and a half about random films. So we know right away that each episode, we got to limit ourselves or we can talk about horror films for two to three hours if we want to. <laughs> I just, understand completely. <laughs> I mean, it's just so easy to for some of the stuff. And even when you're talking like bad stuff or like good stuff, a lot of the stuff is like, all right, I'm going to pick some films that are cool to talk about and some that we've never seen just to get involved with it. But it's just going to be a fun way to just discuss horror with someone. Because I've always wanted to do something where people are like, Matthew, you should discuss horror films, like a review style. Like, I don't want to do it. I got too much on my hands already. But let me just put more hands. Let me put more time on my hands and do another. Let me just bring on a podcast. With yeah. all my film <laughs> that, that's really going to help my situation. But it's just going to be a fun thing to do. Yeah, very, very fun. I look forward to listening to episodes of that. Maybe someday we can collaborate on those. I have some films and stuff. Um, so very exciting. Sort of as I as I let you go here, um, if if you can, um, what is your favorite horror film or a couple favorite horror films? Um, All-time favorite is Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I'll probably watch it once a month if I really want to. Um, I just always like that style of the comedy horror 
Um, Killer Consumer Space fits me perfectly. I have so much of the stuff at my house. Um, I've always been a fan of Puppet Master, mainly Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys for one of them. Um, Freddy vs. Jason because it's one of the earlier ones. And then one of my all-time favorites also, which is on the film that actually got me into making films altogether, is The Willies. Um, that's the film that actually made me want to make horror films, was watching The Willies. Even my first anthology film, I took two of the lines that were directly from The Willies and I put them in my film in one scene. So it's the same lines. Um, it's three friends camping in a tent and they're telling um, horror stories and gross stuff. And then my first feature film was five friends around a campfire telling stories also. Um, and one of the two of the lines I said are directly from the film. I had the guy say it almost like it. But that film's always been the film I say that inspired me to make films was The Willies. Very exciting. I've actually never seen The Willies. Um, so I'm excited. I might have to check that one out though, because you've been speaking highly of it. And you mentioned that you're doing it on your on your show as well. Um, let the people know where they can get in touch with you if they want to watch your films or if they want to get involved in some way. Where can people find you on on the vast internet where like are you on I, you're obviously on facebook youtube but where can people get connected with you um facebook is one of the easiest way to connect to me uh, matthew mark hunter you'll see a picture of like horror stuff in a vhs tape and then the background right now is like 30 of my films um but the easiest way to contact me to be in my movies is by facebook shoot me a message and we'll talk if i have something coming up I'll add you in the film or make you a scene like I always do. YouTube is one of the ways to watch some of my stuff. YouTube and then MMH Productions. Or you can do a YouTube on um, Wonderful World of Fun and Spook Storytime if you want to see the kids show stuff. Um, for the most part, my bigger film projects aren't on YouTube. They're more DVD and festivals. Danny Hall, The Killer Crab Elf, is on YouTube to watch. Deadly Numbers is but you have to be 18 and older, logged in to watch it, and it's a three-hour movie. Um, so some of my big, very limited stuff is on YouTube for my bigger stuff that has a budget. It's mostly all the comedy, like the things coming to life type films on my YouTube. Lord's Ladies is on there now. Um, I have an Instagram, MMH Productions also. Um, TikTok I have. Some uh, I put like one-minute clips of my horror films, the bigger known ones. Um, if you want to see some of those MMH productions, I'm rarely on TikTok now because I'm just, I hate seeing how some of my stuff gets deleted from TikTok or hidden and banned because it's horror. <laughs> yeah, and you got to be careful on TikTok. on TikTok. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, well, we don't want horror films. We'll take some half naked ladies all the time. So it's like, I, I'm getting tired of it already. Um, but it, some stuff is still on there. Um, uh, I don't have too much also that i go on like i don't use twitter at all i don't i don't know how to use it um so the main thing is facebook and youtube are my main two like very Instagram. very exciting hopefully the people out there give you a follow and all that good stuff check out your films um i just wanted to once again say thank you for coming on the show this was a great conversation um hopefully we speak at some point in the future and work together Obviously, like we could do a whole another podcast about this because I mean, you have hundreds of films we haven't even talked about. So I'm very excited to get to know you a little bit. Very excited to be able to be connected with you. And yeah, you were an amazing guest. Just thank you so much for coming on the show. All right. Thank you for having me. It was good to talk about. I like doing stuff like this, just talking with people about horror stuff in general or even my stuff. Because I mean, there's so many stories I can say. It's just never ending. As like, and another thing people can do, if you're starting out, you don't need lighting and gels. We use a flashlight on my phone and colored solo cups, and that's how we did colored gels in my films. So this is actually a helpful tip. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to implement that into some of my stuff as well. Um, but once again, thank you so much, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Yep, thank you. Well, that's about
about it for this time, you guys. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Matthew Mark Hunter. Again, if you guys haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to the show over on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. And of course, follow me on Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff as well. And again, I'm going to see you guys back over on YouTube tomorrow for another episode of the House of Horror. So as always, you guys, take care and stay spooky.